Welcome to our evidence-based nursing podcast. My name is Laura Green. I'm an associate editor at Evidence-Based Nursing and a lecturer at the University of Manchester School of Nursing, Midwifery and Social Work. And I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Nuria Capelli to speak to us on this podcast. She's been invited to talk about her commentary on a systematic review by Miranda et al. on palliative care for people with dementia living at home, a systematic review of interventions. So firstly, I'd like to say welcome. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your interest in this area, Nuria. Um, and thank you very much for inviting me to talk on this podcast. Uh, I am a senior research associate based at the Marie Curie Palliative Care Research Department at University College London. I am also an Alzheimer's Society funded fellow exploring family and friend care experiences of caring for someone living with dementia with a focus on the experience of compassion and how family carers experience of compassion might be related to their uh, well-being including psychological social and physical uh, i have got a particular interest in exploring experience of caring for someone living with advanced dementia who might be at the end of life and how we could improve care and support not just for the person living with dementia either at home or um, in a care home but also their family carers. Great thank you um, so the commentary um, that you wrote was on a systematic review of interventions can you tell us um, before before we go on to kind of look at its sort of strengths and aspects of it can you give us a, a very brief summary of what the study actually was? Uh, yes, uh, Miranda and colleagues did a really important piece of work and they basically reviewed the evidence on palliative care interventions and how they might be adopted for people living with dementia but living at home in particular. Um, and what they did is they, they really, really importantly, is that they used the EAPC framework to guide their analysis and to be able to identify some of the gaps in the evidence. So the EAPC um, framework. It's a really comprehensive framework which focuses on how we could provide palliative care for people living with dementia. And it focuses on things like continuity of care, symptom management, and psychosocial support, not just for the person living with dementia, but also their family carers. And what they did is they, they um, gathered all the papers that look at palliative care approaches provided uh, for people living at home. And they use the EAPC framework to see if these interventions used the key elements of a palliative care approach in dementia. I see. So it, almost like a mapping of findings against the recommendations. Absolutely. Um, can, can you tell me what, what you thought was particularly strong about the study? You, you said that you thought it was a very important one. I'd like to know a little bit about what, what you think um, is is. Um, is particularly important for us to learn from. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's an incredibly timely study. We know that there is a massive increase in the number of people living with dementia, and we know that these are just only going to, you know, in increase over time. So, what's really important is how can a palliative care approach be used to care for people living with dementia? We know so very little about people who are dying from and with dementia. And what we're trying to do is we know, you know, palliative care approaches, for example, in cancer and organ failure, they, they're quite, they're very beneficial. But what we don't know is actually how can these approaches be adopted 
or whether or not they're actually appropriate for people living with dementia, but living at home and possibly not in, you know, in care homes. Yeah, and I presume without being guided by something like the EAPC framework, the the idea of comparing papers or even having an idea of what the kind of outcomes would be that we were interested in would be very difficult because presumably um, it's a very difficult thing to evaluate. Absolutely. Yep. So as you've said, having the APC framework guiding that and to be able to understand and make sure that actually, are we developing interventions that are comprehensive? And are they tapping into the needs, the cha- especially the changing needs of people living with dementia? And I think that's really, really key because we know that as obviously dementia progresses, people's needs change over time. And actually, are we developing models of care that can change with those needs? and ensure that people are receiving the best care at the end of life. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, that idea of transitions and, and of, of what might work at one point in the illness trajectory might be not appropriate later on. Or I think that's a really important um, point. Um, in, in terms of limitations of the study, did, did you feel like there was anything... Um, that wasn't addressed that you in your kind of capacity as researcher in this area think you would have liked to see? Um, I I don't think that the study in itself and how it was conducted, the review itself was conducted, um, had many limitations. I mean, the authors use quite a rigorous approach. They use a PRISMA framework to guide their methods. They, you know, they even registered their protocol on the International Register of Reviews. So in terms of that, they, they, there, doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any limitations. Obviously, there are a number of limitations in this, of the studies they identified. I mean, one example is that, you know, they, they, one is that they've only they only managed to identify eight, so we know there's not much research in this area. And what, what they also uh, conclude is that actually most of these are uh, have poor methodological quality, either in terms of the reporting or how the study was conducted. One of the things that I, I think that really striked me is is that the authors used um, death at home as a primary outcome. And mm. the reason why I think it struck me is because we know that actually we've sort of moved away, I guess, from using place of death as an indicator of a good death because it might not always be appropriate. Someone dying in a hospital may not have had a bad death. They might have been quite comfortable and not distressed and not agitated at the end of life because they were getting the best care possible or actually um place at sort of death at home might not have been the person's first choice of where they would have liked to have died so it's not always i I would say it's not always the best indicator for a good death you know i think what it demonstrates to us is actually these interventions that we you know the future interventions that are developed shouldn't primarily focus on a place of death you know, it should include things like pain management, symptom management, particularly pain, uh, agitation. We've done a study where we know that people in the last year of life experience and present a lot of agitation and, and actually measures of those might be more appropriate to understand symptom management at the end of life. Um, I mean, you've, you've touched on this briefly. I don't know if you want to add anything um, more to um, what is important about the findings of the study, perhaps in terms of um, its implications for practice. So we obviously, I've already mentioned that we know that the studies were poor methodological quality, um, but how the authors of the review approached 
the data was really, really interesting and, and quite thorough. Um, what, what we know, I think one of the things that I want to tell one of the important findings that I found quite striking, actually, is that none of the, or very few of the studies looked at um, reducing unnecessary uh, transitions to, say, hospital or treatments at the end of life, which can commonly be quite burdensome. Um, and one of the things that I, we know is that actually people do, towards the end of life, have on average about two admissions to hospital in the last year of life. Whether or not they're necessary or unnecessary, obviously, we don't know much about. But it's quite striking that the interventions that were conducted and applied were not did not assess that they didn't they only one study looked at whether or not uh, people who were in the intervention group transitioned into hospital at some point um so yeah and that's I a really mean, key indicator because something has gone awry if you've gone into hospital during the last year of life and it's 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 um, important i guess for us to know about the context of those admissions some of them presumably will be essential for sorting out reversible um, acute events and some of them perhaps not not so appropriate so uh, are you saying that the the evidence that was found in this review there's a limited amount of research into that into that particular phenomenon that idea of, of hospital admission yeah, you know, with with a palliative care approach, it's about people keeping people comfortable and keeping, you know, making sure their symptoms are addressed and that then as their needs are changing, we're, you know, we're responding to those in a proactive way rather than in a reactive way. So do, is it that actually people are being admitted to hospital because their symptoms are not being treated in a timely manner? And what's important is, is only one study looked at this, one only one of the interventions that we're looking at a palliative care approach in this population looked at whether or not does this intervention reduce uh, unnecessary and burdensome transitions at the end of life. So what, what I would say is actually for future a future work where a palliative care approach is being adopted is whether or not can we reduce unnecessary um, transitions. Yeah, that's that's key. Um, I, I wonder if you've got any thoughts about um, what nurses can take from this review in terms of being the largest proportion of the healthcare workforce in this country and having contact with people with dementia at all stages of the disease. Um, I, I wondered if we could get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, as you've said, nurses are so fundamental to how people living with dementia and their carers are supported. And most importantly, to remain living independently in a home and for having the option of a peaceful death at home where possible. I think what would be important for nurses, and I don't know if it's um, because there is such limited studies in this area, I think what actually would be more important is how people, how researchers and academics develop interventions, how they could incorporate, you know, the specialist knowledge and the experience that nurses and health, other healthcare professionals have into their interventions to ensure that the models of care that we're developing can be sustainable and implemented into clinical practice um, and I think uh, that's where that's what would be most important I feel. So it's interesting so so you, you I, I guess you're saying that if an intervention is developed sort of in isolation purely based on sort of ac sort of academic research and not in collaboration and conjunction with the people who are going to be implementing it it's less likely to be sustainable because 
it's not being developed in the real world is that is that what you're saying absolutely and I think this paper really highlighted that because they they found they didn't find many studies that look at some of the barriers and facilitators you know these studies were not reporting actually what hindered the implementation of this intervention what was what actually facilitated it so I think what's important is if you have on board the people who are going to actually deliver these in clinical practice to understand better how they would be delivering these that's interesting thank you and based on the small number of studies they found I'm sure you had a lot of ideas about future research in this area Um, what 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 do you think is needed Absolutely. I mean, just reading this paper just really highlighted how much work we've got to do in this area. Um, it just feels like we've only just touched, you know, the tip of the iceberg. I think, like I've said, it's, it's, it's about understanding when we're developing these palliative care models, um, in particular for people living at home, we're looking at some of the potential mechanisms that might, you know, hinder how these models are implemented in practice and maybe looking even looking at some of the good you know the positive the beneficial the the facilitators of these interventions of implementing these Um, and I think what's what's important is it's about understanding how do we um, develop approach develop approaches and models of care that are adaptable to the changing needs of people with dementia and ensuring that actually what we do develop and implement is sustainable in clinical practice that it's not only when the researchers are in doing the study is the only time that the intervention is going to work but actually once you've removed the researcher from that from that practice it's making sure that that model is applicable and adaptable for different um for for people with changing needs so my, my final question really is, um, if, if listeners are to take away one key message from this podcast, what would it be? I think for me, it's, it's about getting the message out there that dementia is a life-limiting illness. And actually, you know, we know from, we know from other pieces of work that a palliative care approach might be beneficial. How this might be, we, we're not quite sure and how and how a palliative care approach might be adapted for people living with dementia in particular those living at home and and it's also understanding how do we support people to stay at home and their carers because we know that their carers are those who are going to be able to enable the people to be able to stay at home but how do we do that to ensure that if people they do want to spend their last few months of their lives at home. It's about being able to facilitate and enable that to happen. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Dr. Capelli. I really, um, I found it very fascinating and I I really enjoyed reading your commentary. So um, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. So if you'd like to read uh, Dr. Capelli's commentary on the paper, you can find it on the Evidence-Based Nursing website and there's a link there to the full systematic review. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.